Samsung 320. 320 will sing. Oh, I want to be like Jesus. son back there for class. I think your husband's back there already. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, uh, glad to see you in church this morning. Um, how many of you think that life is ideal? Life is ideal. No, it's not ideal, is it? Um, AC's not working really good today. Hasn't been working like that for a few weeks. And... People have car trouble, I've had car trouble, people have physical problems, and people have money problems, people have uh, neighbor problems, people have all kind of problems. Life is not ideal, but the options, the alternatives, not so good either. My father-in-law used to always say, it's good to be on this side of the grass, which if you think about it, is pretty profound. And uh, so, 
Now, I got to confess to you as we begin this morning that my personality tends to be negative. My way of looking at things tends to be pretty dark, meaning hopeless. That is my personality. That is my outlook of life since I was a little boy. Many factors to that. I understand that a lot better now, but I have since learned that there's a better way of thinking about things than just seeing what you see. And the better way of thinking about things is to see things from God's viewpoint. And so I've learned, and I hope you will also learn with me, that it's much better to think how God wants you to think than to think how the devil wants you to think. The devil attacks your mind. He attacks your mind. He wants you to think the way he wants you to think. He wants you to think in a way that is worldly. He wants you to think in a way that will cause you to be more discouraged and less encouraged and more depressed than encouraged and be lifted up. And so I am not... I'm not, and we're not, our church is not the Joel Osteen type of a church. Uh, it's pretty obvious over the years that we're not like that. We speak out against it. We don't like it. We don't like the way he does things. We don't like the way a lot of people do things. We're not positive confession. We're not the, you know, cheerful, always smiling kind of a Christian, okay? I, I kind of smile when my team wins or I win a tennis match. I smile then, you know. I gloat when, when liberals fail. I gloat when Democrats lose. I gloat when, you know, so I have my moments of happiness and joy, but uh, my thinking I realized over the last few months needs to be, needs to be quickened, needs to be adjusted because uh, my thinking, maybe like your thinking, is not always so spiritual, it's not always so right. We think the way we think because of the nature of this life and I want you to think about how the devil attacks our minds that we think in dealing with problems the way the world deals with problems. We fight back when people fight against us. Now, I'm not saying that's really wrong all the time, but we scream, we yell when people raise their voice at us. We get back in their face when they get in our face. We do like that. That's natural. I wonder if that's the way we should always respond to people, respond to troubles, is to react in the flesh or to respond to a problem by creating more problems because we, we, we're reacting the wrong way. I think we've all done that, haven't we? You're all adults here, like I'm an adult. Somebody asked me, somebody said back here, I am this age. And I said, really? I'm that age too. And so the longer we live, the more we realize things about ourselves and about the Bible. It is true. It is right. And the more we go by the Bible, the more we, we, we think like God thinks, the more we have his mind rather than the devil's mind. We are better off. We're much better off. So I want you to come to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Problems, problem, problems, solving problems, uh, being ready to solve problems. Uh, you remember the days when we were leading up to Y2K? How many of you remember what Y2K was about? Y2K. Y2K. What year was this about? The year 2000. The year 2000. All kinds of predictions by smart people, computer scientists, smart people in California, all over the world, pastors putting out newsletters about what's going to happen when the clock turns 12 at uh, Y2K. Here's what one lady did to prepare for Y2K. Let me see what she said here. Okay. Uh, are you ready for Y2K? She says this. I'm ready for Y2K. I have my beer. I have videotapes of Bears games. I'm ready. That was her preparation for Y2K. Now, it's not so funny because Christians have that kind of a mindset in preparing against the devil's wiles 
and his aggressiveness and his his desire to destroy. And um, so we, we sometimes are like silly like that. We cannot be that way anymore. We cannot be silly like that one more silly preparing for white decay. I got my beer. I got my uh, re, my, my videotapes of uh, Bears Bears uh, Cubs games, and then she said I got my cigarettes. So she had three things in preparation for white decay. If she had to live alone without any conveniences, she had. Well, how can she do her TV without uh, electricity? Anyway, uh, poor poor thinking about preparing for something that may have been. Thankfully, it was not. Now, did any of you prepare for Y2K by getting those 55-gallon drums of empty drums? I did. I got some from Pepsi down here in IF. I got three or four of them in case the water ran out kind of thing. Of course, my wife is like that. You know, she's very, oh, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. And so to accommodate my wife, I got uh, uh, three or four of those 55-gallon uh, drums from Pepsi down the road. And uh, thankfully, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Well, now, where am I? Romans chapter 12. Let's think better about things. Let's not be a victim of the devil. Let's not fall into his traps of thinking like he wants us to think. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. Don't, don't deal with things like the world deals with things. Now, the devil's not everywhere. The devil's not in everything. But the devil has an army. He has a kingdom. Therefore, he has servants all over the place. And so they do his bidding. Do not be conformed to this world. The devil's not in everything. But he can influence a lot of things. And he has devils, demons to influence and to, to do his bidding. And so, be not conformed to this world. The world then, a lot of times, is like pawns of the devil, if I may say it like that. And don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like the world. Don't live like this world. Don't react the way the world reacts. Verse 2. Be not, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have conformed. Don't be conformed. Don't be a person to the more of the world. But instead be transformed. Be changed. Be changed. Change the thinking that you may have. Change the thinking of worldliness. Of doing things because you think this is the right thing to do. I think Proverbs 3 tells us this. Uh, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Lean not unto your own understanding. A lot of times, that is about doing things as we always used to do, and doing things as the world wants us to do things. Um, I'm really angry at, at some things in this life, like you may be. I, I know maybe you're so sanctified, you're not going to angry about anything. But I get really angry about dishonest mechanics. My first experience with dishonest mechanics was when I had a, a different kind of a car, a little sedan, a Toyota. Took it down to a shop in Kakaako. And he had back then, back then you had this Christian directors for businesses, little skinnier yellow pages, to support Christian businesses. So I went through that. I saw this fish symbol about this mechanic and uh, pre-estimate, da, da, da. So, okay, I'll give this guy some business. I went down there and he did something to the car, took things apart, tried to address my, my problem, I thought. And then he, he said, okay, now, since I got this part, I'm going to do this. Or he had done something. I said, wait a minute now. Aren't you supposed to ask me first before you do something? I don't think you should have done this. And now I'm putting a hole. Well, I can put it back together. I said, wait a minute now. You got me stuck over here. Everything's taken apart. You're gonna, you, you did something that I didn't want you to do. And you did it. Now I'm not going to pay this amount that I didn't expect to pay. And previous to that ending of that day, 
Christian business, say, hey, you, pa yeah, pastor. Hey, how about coming over to my, my business and talking to guys every once in a while and give devotions and Bible studies? I said, sure, I'd like to do that. Okay. And then he does that to me. You know what I told him? This really burned me. I'm sorry, but it burned me. It made me really upset. It made me remember that human nature is human nature. That the devil can use human nature to defraud people. And so I said, look, what can I do? He got me over the barrel. Gonna have to pay you 400 bucks for something that I didn't want you to get done. Drove away and I said this before I drove. I said, listen, I'm a pastor of a church. I want to tell everybody in church about you, <clears throat> about you. And I would recommend that they don't come to you. <clears throat> and I'm gonna call this directory and tell them about your bad business practices. <clears throat> I said, I know my connection is not Christian. More honest than you. I said, shame on you. Now, maybe that was in the flesh. I don't know. But I know one thing. My mind, my mind today, I have to think about problems, do it problems with the mind of Christ. Be transformed by my thinking. I, I cannot I cannot deal with things the way my flesh wants to deal with it. Every time I've done that, I've regretted it. Every time I've reacted in the flesh, I've regretted it. Now, I do not believe I was reacting in the flesh. I believe I was standing up for what is right. You know, just basic business transaction. Being honest is what I expect from people. And when they don't act honest with me, and they try to defraud me of my money, I get upset with that. And so, can I tell you another bad story? Yes. May I? Sure. Okay. Toyota, Mapuna Puna. You know how you get this bug about new cars? And my car had leaks in it, my Toyota. So I thought, I like the Toyotas, but my car had leaks. I had rust leaks. Sunroof, it leaked from the, the seal coming down. I had trunk leaks. It leaked so bad that the wheel well of my car had water in it every time it rained hard. And then my floorboard had water because it rained so much and it came down the sides of the rust. So, you know, we're kind of thinking about a new car. We drive by, it, we get that. And the problem that I made was I sat into a car and drove the car of this nice new car. It smelled so good. AC was really pumping out and uh, all the virtues of this car. And uh, of course, I'm always thinking, can I afford a new car? My wife was saying, no, we can't afford it. And then she sits in the car, she says, wow, this is a nice car. This nice car. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we're two are in agreement. <laughs> we're going to get this car. So anyway, we go back to the, the, the showroom in his office, and he talks with us, does his spiel, and does his routine. Oh, let me let me go back and talk to my manager here. You know what? Because I'm, I'm putting up objections. I don't think we can afford the payments. Well, it's a pretty good deal, you know. I mean, by today, da-da-da-da. I say, you know, I don't think so. And I begin to get up. I say, wait, let me go talk to my manager. My manager's in. Let me go check with him. Right back. He goes back over here, does his thing. Whatever he's doing, he's going back over here. We're sitting over here talking about things. Man, such a nice car. So comfortable, man. The interior is so nice. Colors, nice mixture. Nice riding car. So nice. AC is so good. So nice. But I don't know if we can afford this, you know. We think we can, but I don't know if we should. He comes back. He says this. He says, guess what? Talk to my manager. He says, we got a special today. Yeah, right. We got a special today. <laughs> They've all got specials today. He says, you get this car for this much, this much, this much. I said, wow, that's that's quite a bit. Yeah, that's good. But I still don't think I can get it. So I begin to shuffle get on this. He said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. He said, listen, let me tell you something. If I can do ABC for you, will you, will you buy this car? I said, what is ABC? He says, well, I can do this. I said, well, that doesn't sound like it's the right thing to do. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm a, I got a senior. I can do some things over here. He said, uh, I said, uh, he said, you know what? You know what? I'll do it. I'll get it done. You just write me a check for $100. Write you a check? 
Enough with the dealership? <laughs> Just write me a check. Now this is decades ago. So I'm anxious to get this car. I'm, I'm under pressure to get a car. I'm under pressure. I'm putting pressure on myself. I'm thinking, I gotta have a new car. I'm justifying my mind. And then, so we write out a check to him and we walk away. And I'm feeling kind of like, you know, you just, you just did something really wrong over here. And so, got home, I said, you know, that, that. So I called that to the dealership of Mapuna Puna, and I said, may I speak to the manager? Got the manager, you know what his name is, or was? Well, he is still Moses. His name is Moses. <laughs> Hello, it's Moses. I said, what? And I told him what happened, he says, hey, he should have done that. I said, well, that's what he did. I want to let you know about that. I want to make sure about that. I said, you get that check, rip it up. I'm going to rip it up on my side, on the board on my side. I said, that guy is dishonest. I don't like being taken advantage of monetarily. I don't like being cheated when it comes to cars or any kind of product, things like that. I don't like that. But that, to me, is different from, you know, someone walking all over you like you're a rug, taking advantage of you. I think I'm obligated to be a good steward, also to be a good protector for my wife and my family. I'm obligated to do that. So he's not, the Bible's not talking about the minor price where you are a pushover. That's not it at all. But normally, when it comes to personal things, when it comes to relationship things, when it comes to family, how you talk and how you respond to things, we act in the flesh a lot of times. As I said at 9.30, we, we watch things on TV and then we copycat that. We see things in a sitcom, we see things in a movie, we see things about revenge, and we do the same thing in our lives. We adopt the world's ways of responding and fixing our problem, and it just blows up even more. And so he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently about problems, think differently about life, think differently, and don't respond like the way the world wants you to respond. Don't be walking down the path of the devil's way and then letting the world and the devil work together, coordinate together, and let you and cause you to do things that's going to bring you a lot of grief. Many of us live, we live to have regretted things we've made decisions wise. We, have, we are so sorry for the decision that we have made in our lives because we're in the flesh. We weren't thinking right. We thought we could not be humble. We thought we could not be, we thought we had to solve the problem ourselves. We thought we were the man to fix it. Sad story. There's a young couple in church years ago when we first started. They got saved. I baptized them. So happy for them. Happy Bible says they're coming to church. One day they missed church. And uh, I was disappointed because they were so zealous to be in church. And they had just told me the Thursday before, see you Sunday. I said, look forward to it. Didn't show up. So I called them a Sunday afternoon. Now keep in mind the context of this decades ago. I'm young. I'm on fire. I want things exactly a certain way because this is the way I think it should be. And uh, this is how young Christians should progress. This is what I expect from them. They were doing so well, I thought, I believed. I, I think it was true. But then they didn't show up that one Sunday. So I called them on about 3 o'clock that afternoon. I said, hey, I miss you guys today. What happened? They said, oh, went to Kmart. We used to have Kmart in Hawaii. Went to Kmart right here by the stadium mall. Went to Kmart. I said, why? Oh, they had a big sale. I said, okay, so you have to go during church to catch the sale of the camera. Oh yeah, but 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 yeah 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 yeah. We should have come through, but and and then and then they said this. Well, can you come tomorrow so we can have a Bible study so we can make up for church? You know, and I took that wrong. I took that very wrong. I regret what I said to them. I said, no way, forget that. I said this. My finger pointing to them at the phone. You should have been in church uh, today. You should. You should not skip church just to go get. You could have gone after church. 
That's what I was thinking. Now I was zealous. I was zealous. I was somewhat right, but I lacked something in my life, in my thinking. I lacked something in my thinking. I thought, no consideration of other factors, why you can miss church legitimately. Sickness. I used to think, if you're sick, come anyway. But that's pretty ignorant. You know, all this was influenced by Jack Hiles and other things like that. You know, and I'm not saying everything was bad, but I'm just saying I was influenced like that as a young Christian. And so I said, no way. I said, you cannot miss church and have me come over and make up for that. Bob said, forget that. And they were shocked too. There was silence on the phone. And then uh, I hung up on them. Me, nice me. Patient, kind, gracious, generous, loving. Me, I hung up the phone. Afterwards, I, I felt so I felt so manly at the time. I felt so, you really told them. You really told them the truth. Way to go, big boy. That's how I thought. And as minutes go by, I thought, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. The young Christians, they're babes in Christ. I was a babe in Christ at one time. I'm glad people didn't treat me like I treated them. I acted in the flesh. You know, they never came back to church. You say, well, they shouldn't have taken it that way. I know, but they were baby Christians. They're immature. You ever talk to immature people, immature young children? They have no clue about life. They have no clue about emotions and feelings, and they have no clue about a lot of things. My grandkids, good as they are, they have no clue about a lot of things, especially the young ones. Little Benjamin goes around like this. He has this funny hat on. Roman helmet, soldier kind of thing, sucking his thumb. And they like to, you know, costume and things, and they walk on the towel back, comes up and stuff like that. He has no clue what everything's about. I'm doing some painting of a furniture, refinishing something in the living room, it's all messed up. And this, uh, I said, don't, he goes right to his toys, because we have a space in our living room for the grandkids to come and play with their toys. And it's right over there, there's any for them. He come over there, he sits there, and I said, no, don't go because of paint. I have all these reasons why you should not be there. He has no clue. He's immature. He's a baby. And so sometimes I get very harsh with my grandkids. No. They're supposed to knock before they come up the stairs. If they don't knock, they just walk up and they begin talking at me. I say, back downstairs. My wife says, Cam, they're just kids. Don't be so firm with them. I said, I've told them how many times, knock downstairs and I'll answer. Then you come up. Don't come up and I could be, I could be what, um, you know, in a very, <laughs> I don't want you to see me sometimes. And so, <laughs> this is Hawaii, yes? Yes. This is my church clothes, yes? At home, I don't wear church clothes, yes? Now, don't get the wrong image here. I mean, I have a shirt because it's hot, you know, maybe, whatever. And so, I don't want my kids to see me with my scar and all that kind of thing. And so, always not first. And I get, I get real hard on them. And my wife gets so hard on me. She says, they're just kids. She's always backing them up. She's always, you know, buffer, buffer, buffer. I just want to make them men right now, Marines, Navy SEALs right now, you know. But uh, that's not possible. They're still kids. And I, when I treated young Christians like they're mature, I've been so wrong. Because I expected, I demanded, I wanted. It was ego thing. And it was so wrong. I acted in the flesh. My, my thinking was not transformed at that moment. And so I'm telling you folks this, 
It can happen so quickly to you and to me, and you're going to hurt somebody for a long time because you want it to be self-righteous and be right about a certain issue. Now, I'm not saying compromise, but I'm saying compromise. I'm not saying shave down your conviction, but I'm saying have some sense about the context of the people you're talking to. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to think different about how you deal with people in all cases. Um, I'm kind of confining my remarks to in the home, husband, wife, children, family, that kind of stuff, because that's where the most of the hurts come from. Business associate hurts you, okay, get over that. Uh, neighbor hurts you, okay, that's outside the home. But what's inside the home, when your husband talks a certain way to you, when you talk back to him a certain way, when the kids, you know, that's where it really lingers and hurts. Do you know that Rachel and Leah in the Old Testament, they had some real serious family problems. Leah had kids, Rachel couldn't have kids, and there was deep, deep resentment about uh, on Rachel's part toward Leah. She despised her, she hated her because she could not have kids yet. She complained to Jacob. Jacob says, what, am I in the place of God? I'm not, I, I can, see, so, uh, but yet she was, the, the feeling, the emotions, the hate was all there in between those two sisters. Terrible. Read it through sometimes. See how bad feelings can get when people react in the flesh. Hate, resentment, just, just full on. It's like a, it's like a TV sitcom. It's like the, uh, these, uh, what do you call these uh, programs where they have reality shows. It's worse than that because that's real. And you don't want to react in the flesh. So I'm confessing to you that when I have done that, I've regretted it. And time goes by, but it's still the memory's there. But I've been glad I've been glad too sometimes when I've not reacted in the flesh and I've I've deferred my thinking to how I should think, and I've been so glad. There are people in our church still today because years ago something happened that was wrong and I did not react to them in the flesh. I treated them with respect, I treated them with consideration. I tried to be empathetic, understand their problem, why they didn't, didn't do whatever like that, and I've just backed up and said, God, this is in your hands. I, I, I would like to do something. I think I can say something helpful. I think I can do something helpful, but they don't want my help, so I'm just going to back up and let them let them go, and I'm going to have to trust you to take care of them. And years had gone by, and suddenly it seemed like that very same person who didn't want help, didn't want any advice, didn't want any counsel, didn't want any uh, contact had, had come around. And then pretty soon it, it, it turns into, can we eat for lunch? Meaning my wife and I with people. And then it, it leads to more things. It leads to, can I come back to church? Now that is because, it's not because uh, I am so spiritual as much as it is I have deferred my carnal thinking, my worldly thinking to having a transformed mind and treating people right. And I have, I have learned the hard way from other people's examples too. I was working with a man as an assistant pastor, associate pastor. I learned a lot, of, a lot of things from what not to do because I saw a lot of carnality. I saw a lot of uh, wrong thinking, wrong reacting people, treating people like they owed him something, treating people like uh, he, is the, he is the Lord of everybody kind of thing, you know. And I learned a lot of things from negative examples. And so he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. You cannot treat people the same across the board. That sounds like a, what? I mean, you're fair to everybody, but you have consideration for every single individual, every case. They're all different, like with kids, they're all different. You gotta treat them differently, but the same, but differently. 
uh, just yesterday we were passing out tracks and then we went to play tennis right here in Kalihi. And um, one of the grandkids, I should not tell you who because they might find out. One of the grandkids got kind of snobby. We're hitting against the wall. Of course, you rock a putt, but the wall's built. Good time to hit against the wall practice. And they get hitting the ball over the wall into the elementary school, the junior high school. They have to climb over the fence and get the ball. But there's a sign that says, do not enter. They said, I bought a brand new can of three ball. They hit it over the fence, over the wall, into the property of the school. I said, go get the balls. They saw the sign. I saw the sign. They said, I can't. Why not? Because the, the sign says, do not enter. I said, let's think about that. And I got kind of perturbed. Let's think about that. Do not enter to do what? Do not enter who? Do not enter why? Do not enter to, to park all night. Do not enter to van life. Do not enter, you see? You're going to enter to pick up my new tennis balls. <laughs> Go get it. So reluctantly, they jump on the fence. Then it was, oh, I can't jump on the fence. Yes, you can. Get the balls. They get the ball, throw it over. Okay, fine. And then one one of the boys claimed I didn't give clear instructions on how to play this simple little makeshift game. And so he does this. I said, what's wrong with you? That's the worst thing to tell you, Grandpa. I said, get the ball before it bounces twice. He's so far back. I said, you're not getting the ball because you're so far back. He says, I don't know what to do. I said, are you stupid? Boys, you know, boys. He stands up like this, and he lunges the ball and misses it. I can't play this game. I said, yes, you can. You're just not paying attention. You know what he does? He drops his right, walks away like this. Stands against the fence like this. I say, get back over here. He gets back over here, picks up the racket, now gets closer, has a little bit of fun, and then he gets pouty again. I said, stop pouting. He's pouting. I said, you know what? Go. Cry baby. <laughs> then I'm playing with the other grandson. Having a good time in the hot <laughs> two o'clock sun in Kali. And on the way home, it's very quiet because I'm fuming. I'm upset because he is pouting. I tell his dad, his dad, I said, there was an incident with one of your grandkids, one of your sons was out here after visitation. And uh, he said, well, I told him, I said, yeah. yeah. And then he says something that's true. He is really, he's really a good dad. He's really more spiritual minded than grandma. I'll tell you the truth. He says, well, you know, he wasn't saying it was okay what he did because he addressed that to him. He said, well, still growing up. And when he said that, I thought, I know that is true. I just did not respond to it the right way because I wanted him to be doing it exactly like his would be doing it. But son tells grandson, tells about grandson, yeah, he's just still growing up, which is true. How can I argue with that? Whenever I have reacted in the flesh, I've been sorry. Whenever I've reacted spiritually, I've never been sorry. You will not be sorry too, believe me. Next time your mouth, your, your wife gives you a wisecrack, and you attempt to give her a wisecrack back, just, just wait. Just wait. The next time, just wait. Now, I, you probably know what makes you explode, right? Because I know what makes me explode. I know what it is. 
I know what buttons are pushed when I blow up. You probably know that too. Just remember this. The rule is don't let the devil get to your head. You instead have the Lord's mind about how you respond, how you react to things, how you say things. Come over to the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Today sounds like a confession day, doesn't it? <laughs> First Peter chapter 1. And come to verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice the first part of that verse. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Be sober. Once again, sober comes up like in 1 Peter. Once again, the mind comes up like in Romans chapter 1, 12, verse number 2. The mind, the mind. Be sober. Think right. Think right about things. Uh, gird up the loins of your mind. Be, be mature. Be grown up. Be serious-minded about things. There are people who are so silly in this world. They're so serious about things that are of no consequence. They're serious about what somebody said on a tweet. They're serious about what somebody wore, what somebody said, what somebody ate, what somebody drank, where someone's going to go, what's going to happen. They're so serious about those non-essential things. When it comes to their walk with God, they're not so serious about that. They're not so sober-minded about that. Everything else is serious to them. But when it comes to their walk with God, their relationship with God and others and the family, it's not so serious. We need to reverse that kind of a thinking and make the important things the important things to, the, to you as a Christian. Be sober-minded. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he tells us, grow up the loins of your mind. Change your thinking. Change your thinking. Grab a hold of your thoughts. Have control over your thoughts. Come to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 23. The fourth chapter of Ephesians is a real good chapter of exchanging things, swapping things, this for that. You find the wording here in this chapter in the, in the Bible to be very graphic and clear. There's no doubt about what God wants you to do. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse number 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity, vanity of their mind. When you become unspiritual by ignoring the word of God and not having a prayer life and not having a, a priority of having the mind of Christ or transforming your thinking, you have the old life, the old mind kind of thinking and you will be vain in your thinking. As I say, you make important things, you make unimportant things important to you. There's a commercial online. All right, you know when you open your browser, all these kind of things come up. There was one where uh, it's a short clip of a lady who got out of her sports car and she's got some kind of a bag, some Italian whatever bag. And uh, some stranger comes up and says, oh, nice bag. Now, I would never come up to a woman and a stranger, especially to say, oh, nice bag. And she says, oh, thank you. Like you talk to strangers like that. Oh, thank you. And what kind of a bag is that? And it looks like a so-and-so bag. And the girl says, it is. Oh, that is so beautiful. Yes, and it is so expensive. She says, it's so expensive. 
And the guy says, oh, awesome. And the woman feels so proud that someone acknowledged her expensive bag. I'm thinking, this is silliness. This is silliness to think that your life, the, your life is good this day because someone said, oh, you have a very expensive bag. And you acknowledge it by saying, yes, you spent whole. This is silliness. He says, don't think like that. Don't have that kind of a mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 23 of chapter 4. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And he says in verse number 17, vanity of your mind. That's vanity for sure. That's vain. That's silliness, worthless. That's dribble. That is nothing that people get so excited about. Now, I told you earlier, I like sports. I still do. But I don't like a lot of things about the sports. It is so oppressive and dominating of a man's life, a woman's life. And when I see somebody going to a Super Bowl, I think about the cost of a ticket and how much, it's always posted, published, how much it costs to get the general seating. It's out of this world. And then they get at the seats at the 50-yard line. It's like thousands and thousands of dollars. And then to get there, and then to hotel accommodations and everything else that's involved, you have to be a real fan. You have to really have in your mind, this is an important event that I must get to. I remember when the Rolling Stones came to Hawaii at the Honolulu Stadium, uh, Aloha Stadium. I live in Nia overlooking the stadium. And the Rolling Stones came to Hawaii. My neighbor, a paramedic, was a Rolling Stones fan, a little younger than me. And he had to go see Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. He had to go see them. So he went. He got nosebleed seats, paid a lot of money for that. And the next time I saw him, he was, he was mimicking Rolling Stone songs. He had such a good time. It was so important to him. Now I'm not making fun, but I am. <laughs> that was his thing. That was his value. That was his esteem. That was what made him happy. Vanity. Then what does make a Christian happy, by the way? Probably it's going to be something spiritual. I led someone to Christ. You'd be happy about that, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. I read through my Bible today. Praise the Lord. That's good news. Me and my wife are getting along pretty good now. That's great news. Yeah, the kids are no longer acting up. Uh, we practice some Bible things, and now they're much calmer. The home is much quieter. There's much more peace in the house. That is rejoicing time, ladies and gentlemen. But you saw the Rolling Stones perform? That's your happiness? That's vanity. Mick Jagger, you know how old he is? I don't know how old he is, but he always looked old in the 60s. <laughs> he looked like he looked like he never aged because he was always old. Mick Jagger. You 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 must people people must have their minds flushed out of sense and virtue and decency and anything godly to be attracted to that kind of stuff. Now look, get mad if you want to. But there are things in this world that are wrong to think about and love and enjoy. And there are things in this world that are good to think about and meditate upon. Philippians 4 8. You know that list of eight things, whatsoever things are true, just, and so think of these things. That'll be good thinking for the mind. If you and I spend more time in the Bible reading it, first of all, digesting it, secondly, meditating upon it, thirdly, and then memorizing a few verses along the way, do you realize what good that'll do for your head? You realize how much to change your behavior if you had the Word of God just permeating your head, your mind? It'll affect 
what you do with your hands. It'll affect where your feet take you. It'll affect your decision making. It'll affect a lot of things about you. It'll affect your behavior. Poor old Samson. Poor old Samson. You know Samson, he loved beautiful women. That's one of the things I'm gonna cover in general about pornography. The problem with pornography. You know, Samson, he loved to chase skirts. He loved women. Now, and he demanded to have certain women. I want her to wife, get her for me. He was like that. He was just so, he just had this vain thinking that he had to have things. His thinking was, see, I think the devil affected him or affected him. His mind was affected where it's my happiness that makes a difference. It's, everything's about me, my happiness. What I want to make me happy is what I demand to get, and I want that, and I'm gonna get what I want, because that's what's gonna make me happy. If I don't get that, I'm not gonna be happy. If I don't get the new EV, I'm not gonna be happy. If I don't get this woman, I'm not gonna be happy. Well, really. Well, Samson was called to be something else than what he turned out to be. And when people act like that and have this mind of my satisfaction, my gratification, everything, Everything's about that. Everything's about me. It's all about me. When that kind of a mind is dominating a man, he's headed for big time trouble. Always gonna happen like that. He might think that he is getting what he wants to make him happy, but that kind of happiness is so short-lived. It is just nothing compared to true joy and true happiness. But this is what happens to vanity, vain thinking. This is what happens to Christians when they go back to the world and so in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse number 13, he says, Walk not as other Gentiles walk. The whole world can be living a thing a certain way. You don't, you don't have to go with that. The broad way is the popular way. The narrow way is the unpopular way. But the broader way leads to death and destruction. The narrow way leads to life. We need to understand that and not play with this thing and just assume that we can go zipping in and out like that and not be affected by the ways of the world. And then verse 18 says, having the understanding darkened, dark thinking, dark thinking, dark thinking. Have you noticed over the past few decades, Hollywood production movies, how dark a lot of them are, how dark those themes are? A lot of it is about death, murder, revenge, infidelity, getting even, getting even, getting even, getting even, death, destruction, shock, surprise, getting even, getting even, getting even. One year there was a movie out called, um, I think it wasn't called Revenge, but uh, prisoners at Halaba knew all about this program because they all saw it in the prison. It's about a family that was on a vacation, I, I'll, I'll just say Miami. The whole family except one man, the, 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 hero, the hero of the show, the whole family was massacred by mafia, some gang thing, machine gun. It, it's just brutal, you know? That's the beginning of the program. And the guys told me, this one guy, the whole movie about this one guy killing off every one of those people, getting revenge. Dark, dark thinking, dark mind. Well, the, the law is not gonna get them. They got away with it. You think so? You think so? The whole family is slaughtered. One guy, survivor, gonna get revenge on every one of those, and he did in the movie. That's dark thinking. That's the ways of the world. Vanity of the mind. Well, do you think the Lord wants you to do that? You know what the Lord says about revenge? He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. 
So I think God knows how to repay better than you and I can repay. I think God knows how to seek and execute vengeance better than we can. You think? I think so. I think God knows everything. I think God sees and hears everything. I think God knows what's going on. One time in my church, back a long time ago, back in the early 70s, they floated a bond program, raised money for uh, extension of property, buildings, things like that. So I bought, a, I bought a bond to support the church, my church. So I believe in supporting my church. And so I did that back then. And uh, uh, it, came, it came due after seven years. I would get, they were guaranteed 15% interest on this. So the day came and is leading up to it where you're gonna give people back what they invested with the 50% like you promised on this document. And so um, somehow there was something went on and they didn't have the money to pay back. And so all those who were due it plus the interest, uh, they were trying to get them to, you know, can you wait a little bit longer? And so they approached me and I, I'm not saying anything bad about the church. I'm just saying they approached me and they gave me a proposition. Now, we legally owe you what this document says, 50% interest on this. We'll pay for it, but we can't do it now, but we'll pay for it. Or you can just forgive it and, you know, for the Lord. <laughs> now, you know what I did? What do you think I did? Now, it's just a report. It's not anything about anything except I, I'm telling what happened. And uh, I said, oh, you know, never mind. It wasn't much, you know, like $750, something like that. Back, but that was in the 70s. And they said, oh, thank you, thank you. I said, good, okay. I let it go. But, um, you know, um, I could have just insisted. I would have been in the right to insist. I could have suffered being defrauded, which had been to quote my glory, because I, I let that happen. And I wouldn't have made us think about it. I wouldn't have taken the court at all. I would not do that. But I just let it go. Now, you know what? When I, when I, when you and I let God have his way in a situation, even though for the moment it seemed like it's wrong, like you're being defrauded or cheated, even though at the moment it seemed like that, you know what the Lord did? Not immediately, but many, many times afterward, the Lord made up for that $750 along the way. I could not tell you how at this moment, but I can tell you for sure, God somehow made up for that along the way. Where nobody was hurt, nobody was taken to court, and nothing was done. It was just what you wanted the Lord, the Lord wanted you to do kind of thing. And so when you think, when you think about situations, how you should respond, it's better for everybody, really. Again, my remarks are about the issues of the home and about life personally and personal relationships. And all through our problems, all through our problems, we have to face them, say things, do things in response to what the Bible says. So Ephesians 4, continuing, Ephesians 4. Verse number twenty-two. Verse twenty-two. Exchanging, swapping your mind, your carnal mind, to the mind of Christ. Verse twenty-two. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Three times now the word mind comes up. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24. That you put on the new man, 
which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away, speak uh, lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 27, interestingly, he says right here, nearly give place to the devil. Now, all of this is about, as you go through the whole chapter, then in the stores two no more and so on, it's about an exchanging of thinking and exchanging of behaving. So whereas you think it's right to just give it to him, instead you don't do that, you do something else. And you put away the line for truth, for speaking the truth. Uh, you don't give place to the devil. If you still steal no more, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But opposite, instead, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, this is an exchange. Once again, my, my interest, my concern for us as a church is that we, 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 we deal with these things as a group, as a body, as a local church, and understand the rule, the principle, is that we respond to things, not in the flesh, but we exchange it for how the Lord wants us to respond to it. Be angry and sin not. Now, when my wife and I get into an argument, which is not that often, and I would say honestly that in the early days we argued a lot because... Because she's Caucasian, I'm, I'm local. <laughs> because my background is different and her background is different. And I would make her cry so much because I was so angry at her over something really very petty, very small. You know how angry I was over something very petty, very small because I was carnal? Because she never did exaggeration. Because she always, because I always had to ask her I didn't tell at the dinner table. Uh, my glass is empty. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. And I'm thinking, why didn't you know that? You got two eyes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm stewing. See how carnal I was? I'm stewing. I'm upset. I used to see her waiting on her father all the time when I was single. Wow, this is nice. I'll get this when I get married. Wow, this is nice. Daddy, you want more tea? Daddy, you want more chips? Daddy, you want this, you want that? Waiting on daddy all the time. I'm thinking, when I get married, I'll have my own servants. <laughs> she wasn't like that. And so I get burned up by that. Very carnal, my thinking. And then she get defensive. Well, you just got to ask. <laughs> then she would say, just ask. And I'm coming back with, why should I ask? You should see, no that I need more water. What's wrong? You're so distracted, see? And so we'll go back and forth. We're both carnal. We're both very selfish and immature as young, uh, young married couple. And then it goes on in life. We, we argue about other things, small things. I think she can read my mind, but she can't. She, can't. I, I, she thinks I can read her mind, but she can't. One of the things that really bothers me, and this is all part of this spiritual thing today, <laughs> is this. She won't tell me something that she's got in her mind, and then I think she's not going to do it. So, for example, um, I like to know what's coming up. So she never tells me sometimes, this is not right to say it like this. Sometimes she never tells, sometimes she, the day of something, then she lets me know. Oh, I've got to go, what? No, no, I, I, I'm going to do this. Oh, but i got to do this. Why don't you tell me? Oh, I'm sorry, I thought I did. No, you didn't. 
See, she thought it, but she didn't tell me. So that kind of burned me up too. We'll go back and forth like over small things. Now, when we did not come to the understanding that we both need to respond and think differently about things, we would always have conflict. We would always have fusses. Friction, let's just be plain. Arguments. Arguments. You look at my wife, oh, she's never going to argue with me. She's so nice. You look at me, I'm never going to argue with her. I mean, can I be transparent over here and tell you that we're like you, we go through things that you have, but we have discovered one thing that has been so helpful to my wife and I. We have learned that we need to think right about things. And when, when I'm in my Bible and, and I'm trying to be right with God and when she is too, our differences are small. Our arguments are so small. Our fusses are so small. Even if we do come to a place, we just say, you know what? Let's just think about it better next time. Let's just be more careful about what we think. And let, let's just communicate better kind of thing. Enough said, drop it. Life goes on. Everything is fine. And so you have to exchange your own carnal thinking with how the Bible says you should think. Now, folks, you could be saved 30 years. You still have this problem. You could be saved two months. You're going to have this problem. You have to face up to this fact that this creature over here is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And if you don't put your guards up, if you don't think right, he's going to get to your mind. And you're going to find yourself hating the very one that you love the most. That's a horrible feeling. Hating the one you love the most. That's a horrible feeling. I'll tell you that again. You're going to hate the one you love the most. That's a horrible feeling. Thankfully, it can be a thing of the past. Thankfully, God can help every one of us not feel like that. But you're going to have to be responsible and do what you got to do. You cannot be spiritual minded because someone else is. It's like eating. You have to eat for yourself. No one can eat for you. You don't get any nourishment watching someone else eat. That just makes me mad to see somebody eat what I want to eat. You have to eat yourself. You have to feed yourself. You have to you have to do what you gotta do to flush out the garbage and to bring in the good. That's what only you can do. Nobody can do that for you. I don't even try telling people what to do anymore. I've given up years ago. I've given up. I've been so discouraged because people have, I, I just cannot change anybody. I don't even try. That's what the Bible says. I'll pray for you. Hope you do what the Bible says. You'll be happy if you do. You'll be miserable if you don't. So you do what you got to do. You be responsible. And when they do, they get better. One more thing about the devil attacking mind is with the D word. The D word. What the D word is that is so effective for Christians that he uses is the word of discouragement. Discouragement. Discouragement is one of those wiles of the devil that is very effective. Discouraging people. Discouraging God's people. Turn to the Old Testament and come to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Another five minutes, and I'm going to turn you loose. One time, a woman was making grunting silence when a priest was preaching. Very long-winded, long, long service, long preaching. And she was grunting, rah, 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 rah. And so it was very noticeable. The preacher went down after the church to say to her, 
if I couldn't help but notice you were saying something, what were you saying? She was saying, he's like Moses, he's like Moses. I'm like Moses, he's like Moses. I'm not like Moses. Yes, you're like Moses, and you weren't letting your people go. Or you're like, you're like Pharaoh, you're like Pharaoh, you weren't letting people go. Long-winded. Now, listen to this. If he's, uh, where am I? Deuteronomy chapter 1. Moses, gone. Moses, gone. Joshua, Joshua coming on the scene. The spies come back with their evil report. Deuteronomy 1.21 says, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord thy God of thy fathers hath said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. But look at verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Verse 28. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. The brethren of the ten spies. The Hebrew people said, Our brethren... The spies have gone up. They have discouraged their hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Now what they reported was true. They saw high walls. They saw big, tall, ugly giants, real giants. They saw all the obstacles that would keep them from going into that good land. And they told the people, We cannot do this. Now watch verse number 29. Response to what the people were saying about what the spies said, then I said unto you, Dread not, dread not, neither be afraid of them. Look at verse 30. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. The thing the devil does to each of us is to discourage us the place of dreading life, dreading even living sometimes. Sometimes we get so, we call it down. We get so down. We, we border on depression. We get so down because it's like a situation will never change. This problem will never go away. In fact, it is growing by the moment, it seems like. And we'll never get out of debt. We will never, never, never. You get so discouraged because of what you hear. Where do you hear things? All around. And you hear it up in here. And the devil just lands on that and just hammers on that and just pounds on you. And discourages you to no end. And you think, well, you know what? Forget the whole thing. Not even work. What's, what's the difference anyway? They're not going to change. He's not going to change. My wife's not going to change. My kids will never get restored back to uh, the Lord. It's not going to change. We get so discouraged. We fear. We get discouraged. He said, dread not. The solution is to point the mind and thinking back to God. Look at that. He says, then I said unto you, after the people said, our hearts are discouraged. He says, dread not, neither be afraid of them. Why? Verse 30, the Lord your God. Whenever God gets into the equation, something, something good can happen. Whenever you leave God out of things, forget it. And that's what the spies did. They left God out of the equation. They saw giants, but they didn't see God bigger than the giants. They saw in these great wars, they didn't see God as a great warrior. They only saw what they saw, and that discouraged them to know it. And they passed it back home to all the people, and they also got discouraged. No doubt they got discouraged because all they saw was what they saw. They didn't see God being able to overcome the obstacles. The devil makes you think it is not possible. Well, all I can tell you is what the Bible says and that you stop believing the devil's lies in your head that it cannot be. It cannot be. Why don't you start believing what God said? Okay. Apply that to... other things uh, this animal was this animal was uh, 
was hunted, was stalked, and uh, you know sometimes I wish I had my my uh, paint to do this. You know maybe I'll maybe I'll paint one of these and I'll give it to you. How's that? Is that a good deal? I'll sell it to you for no. <laughs> I, I would I would I would make time to do a painting of this because it is graphic. It tells a lot about how the devil wants to kill you. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. John says, John, Jesus in John chapter eight. So that's what he's after. He's after you and me. God's given us the armor. We got to put it on. Trust it, and don't let the devil attack your thinking, attack your mind. Now I hope I had time to talk about attacking your morals, but no time for that. That's all part of the problem. He attacks our morals. That leads into the pornography issue. Dealing with that element about pornography and, and how and why and how you can get help from all those things, it's uh, it's everywhere. But that devil has a big part in everything, and so he is your enemy, not flesh and blood. The the one next to you is not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. Surprise! Your husband's not your enemy. Your kids. Oh, you know. I, Parents burn me up. Uh, I don't know what they are, who they are, but they talk about the kids like they're trash. I hear them in the car yelling at the kids, shut up, shut up. And they just yell at the kids like that. I'm thinking, you, you what's wrong with you? Oh, I know what's wrong, I think, from a distance. And then you have you have people that just, they, man, I wish you were never born. Telling that to your kids, I wish you were never born. What is wrong with you, sir? Telling your kids, I wish you were never born. Then you have, all that kind of stuff going on and uh, what a horrible way to live and to talk to the very people that you're supposed to love so talk more about that next time and uh, want to be of help to you want to want to strengthen the church together we ought to stand against the devil and do the right thing have our minds transformed be sober be vigilant not the same as paranoia, but it is just renewing the mind so we can be effective to counter the powerful enemy that we have called the devil. A roaring lion. What an image that God gave about the devil, a roaring lion. Um, let me give this to you before I go home. We'll throw in. Go to YouTube. Look up um, lion attacks, Komodo dragon attacks, leopard attacks. Cougar attacks, you will find how vicious animals are. And all that reminded me of only one thing the devil, our adversary, our enemy. On the other side, thank God we have a God who is good, but the God is loving, caring, compassionate, a God who cares for our well being. I'm glad I'm on God's side. I'm glad that we have a God to go to. We have a Bible to go to that helps us get this thing straightened up over here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to close. Get this thing straightened up over here. This affects everything else. It affects everything else. It affects everything else. It does. Any questions? We don't have time for any answers, but just thought I would ask about that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you for what it tells us. But I will thank you even more if people will do what it says. And I will thank you even more if people stop thinking wrong.
and start thinking right about things. We need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have our thinking transformed. We need to have some sense about when to be aggressive, when to stand up, when to fight back, when to push back. I don't think you ever intend for us to be doormats, to be walked all over, but there, there's a time for us to push back. There's a time for us to be defrauded. And I pray that you help us to have a sense and the wisdom to make distinctions. Lord, for sure, you are example that when you were threatened, you threatened not. When you reviled, you didn't retaliate. You had the mind of your father. May we have the mind of Christ as Christians. Lord, we do ask for forgiveness when we have grieved your Holy Spirit by thinking, responding, talking in carnal ways, hurtful ways to people. And help us, Father, to be to absorb what the Bible says and do what it says. Change our thinking and thus change our lives. I pray that you did that for us, Lord, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.